Hello and welcome to Breadcrumbs. This is your host Ashley, aka Ash Kitten, Lady Ash Kitten, or Lobo Pink. Alright guys, I promised and I'm going to deliver. So, everybody throws out all these buzzwords, right? Like, about manipulation, gaslighting, you know, all these words. But, I feel like it's important to differentiate what manipulation is and how to spot if you're being manipulated how to spot if you're manipulating other people and the differences you know in the different types of manipulations and then when it's not manipulation right because mm-hmm. sometimes like you can change someone's mind and you're not manipulating them so i can't wait to share this with you guys because these are some things I've been taking notes on in the past and this past year I've just been really like um, trying to focus on more educating you know myself like the education factor of like learning the most that I can about it applying it to the experiences that I had and then presenting you guys with what I've learned using both because there's a lot of knowledge to be gained from the books, you know, and in psychology, but experience applied to that magnifies it times a million in the understanding of it. So let's get started. Okay, so to start, what is manipulation? A lot of people have a lot of different definitions. To manipulate is to make something do something, right? You can manipulate numbers, you can manipulate a lot of things. However, in relationships, we're going to refer to it as unhealthy manipulation because there are some manipulations that are not toxic. There are some that actually benefit people. For instance, let's say someone says no to buying something. And you present them with more facts and education about the thing that they want to, that they say no to buying. And then all of a sudden, once presented with the facts, they're using sales tactics of persuasion, not lying, not anything other than presenting the facts and educating them on a product. Now they want it. Sometimes, some sales tactics can be manipulative. However, at the base core, do they want it because they're presented with the facts? Then that's not unhealthy. As a matter of fact, this thing might benefit their life and they see the benefit, which is, um, they used to be in sales. That is how you sell something. You get someone to see the benefit in their life. If it doesn't benefit them, they're not going to want it. So... That's not unhealthy. It is manipulating them because they said no and you changed their answer. However, I define unhealthy manipulations as given the facts, meaning the present facts that stand, not saying they know all the facts, but given the facts in the situation, so in the circumstance, what facts are not just known to them, but not even sometimes known to them because that's part of manipulation sometimes too is withholding but i'm not trying to get ahead guys i promise i have a clear outline 
This is what happens when I try to outline myself. Okay, I can do this. Um, so, when presented with the facts, someone can change their mind. But if you are using other tactics to change their mind and make them do something that they wouldn't normally do with the facts at hand, whether they know them or not, then you change the way that they think, feel, act, or what they say, then you are manipulating in an unhealthy manner. Basically, you are gaining control over someone else's faculties with your own intentions in mind. So the difference between what I said before of like, okay, this benefits the person. There's like a mutual benefit. Like, okay, you're purchasing this, which is helping me because I'm selling this to you, but you're benefiting from this thing. That's a mutual beneficial situation where I changed your mind. But an unhealthy manipulation is when I change your mind for my own intentions and will and now have control over your faculties. Whether it be your physical mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your spirituality, whatever makes you, you. Now, as you are in the passenger seat of your own mind, body, and thoughts, and I'm driving. And it doesn't matter what you think, feel. It doesn't matter because I'm the one in control. So that is the... Oh my gosh, my daughter is sleep talking. So cute. So that is the definition, my definition of manipulation. So sometimes, you know, people are hard on themselves. They're like, oh man, like, for instance, if you're in a relationship and you're like, I really want to eat some sushi. Like, I really want sushi. And the other person's like, well, I'm really chilling up to it. And you're like, man, just, God, I need some sushi in my life right now. <laughs> you know, like you're craving something. And they're like, all right, let's go eat some sushi. You change their mind. Because they normally, if you weren't standing there saying you're hungry for sushi, wouldn't have been like, let's go do this thing. But because you made it apparent that you wanted it, then you went and did it. You know, some people are hard on themselves like, oh, man. Did I just manipulate them? No, not really. I mean, manipulation is unhealthy when it affects someone in a negative way. Now, if you're saying, man, I really want sushi, and the other person's like, well, I don't have money to take you out to sushi. If you have your own money. No, I don't have my own money, but I really want sushi. Gosh. And so they've, they've given you something that's a problem, and all you're doing is throwing back what you want then you are gaining control. If you're making them feel bad, we'll go into the different tactics. But in that way, yes, you are manipulating because they would have said no because of a specific thing that was getting them to say no. And then you overcame that with some way of manipulating them and causing them to spend money that they don't have. So when it's hurting someone else, it's benefiting you, hurting the other person. Or benefiting the manipulator, hurting the manipulated. So I'm going to give you guys like a lot more info on each different one broken down. But 
I wanted to do something that I've never seen done before. I want to categorize them like you would a storm or a hurricane. So like there's tropical storms, there's thunderstorms, there's just like little, not really um, scary storms. And then you've got like all the way up to like cat five hurricane, right? Like it's the highest. People think there's a cat six. But not yet. Maybe sometime in the near future. Because of the way the weather has been going. Progressing. But that's neither here nor there. So Cat 5 is the highest. Most problematic. You know when a Cat 5 is coming. There is going to be catastrophic damage. No matter what happens. No matter how prepared that area is. There will be catastrophic damage. How much depends on where the person is in what zone, right? So like zone A is typically the first to evacuate or should be the first to evacuate because they're in the most susceptible to high end damage like than anybody else on the map. So we're going to categorize ourselves in this situation as the zones and then we're going to categorize the manipulations as the storms and you're gonna see how depending on what choices you make and where you're at and what situations you're in and how what changes you can make can affect whether or not you're constantly getting hit with storms um, and having catastrophic damage cat 5 hurricanes don't come around very often right like the kind that will just wreck you it, we don't know that many. They don't come often. So it's not a constant threat to every person. But let's say you live in a low-lying area. Every time there's a thunderstorm, there's a flood. Every storm is problematic because you are in zone A and you are just constantly experiencing the flooding. So we're going to talk about what, what puts you in zone A. How do you categorize zone A through F? How do you categorize tropical storm all the way to hurricane cat five? Right? So what manipulation is the storm? And again, just reiterating manipulation and unhealthy manipulation is only basically what I'm going to talk about. Cause like, like I said, healthier manipulations aren't going to affect people in negative ways, mostly mutually beneficial. Sometimes like euphemisms um, are a little bit like, hmm, okay, it is the truth. It's not a lie, but it's also making something sound better than it is. And we all do that. Every single person manipulates. Do they manipulate unhealthily? Hopefully not. But a healthy manipulation would be a resume resume says that I, if I say, okay, say my job was like, I was a trash collector. I had to go, I was a trash lady, right? And I put on my resume, manager of waste collection. That just made it sound 10 times better than what it really is. And that gets a second look on a resume versus trash lady, you know? a lot of times people put their job duties in with big words big words make things sound better right 
more education. People, oh, this person's really educated because they know how, how to, you know, say certain things. And it's not a bad thing. Um, you, in a resume, you try to make yourself sound absolute best you can because you're trying to get that job. Based on skills, yes, but also like how you sell yourself to an employer. So that is a manipulation. You're putting things on there that are going to affect whether or not you get the job. If you lie, that's a manipulation because you are changing the way that they think based on what the facts are versus what you're telling them. So if you're like, oh, I was a manager at these places, they're going to be like, oh, she has manager experience. We're going to hire her. If you don't have manager experience, then you are you are affecting it in a negative way because they wouldn't normally hire you or you never even gave them the chance, but I'm just saying they wouldn't normally hire you, have hired you so quickly or just jumped in, you know, like, oh, she has experience based on the actual facts. So you're changing and controlling someone else's or having a huge influence on someone else's decision based on something that's untrue. Now, if it's all true, you're just using euphemisms, you know, um, sometimes like somebody could be a third key manager, been in that position before, but it says manager, right? So like, yeah, you have opening and closing and money management and all of those things that managers do. And when the manager and the assistant manager aren't there, you're technically the manager. So as third key, you can put all those things in there and you're not lying as long as you are honest about things that you're doing. So those are ways that we influence other people. You can be an influencer. You can wear certain clothes and not even say anything and other people will wear the clothes that you're wearing. Is it unhealthy? Probably to the people that are doing it, but you're not causing harm by doing it. You're not intending someone to do it. They're just making that choice. Sometimes people do influence people on purpose and say, buy this shirt, blah, blah, blah. But again, you're presenting them with facts, their choice. There's no, usually, no clear signs of unhealthy manipulation, which can be found in a lot of places. And even in advertising, even in resumes, like I said, it's... Um, knowing what manipulation is, unhealthy manipulation versus just influencing. So we're going to go that route when we're talking about a healthier way. It's just influencing someone in a mutually beneficial way. Because if I'm making myself sound great on paper and I am great <laughs> doing like, those are all the skills. Those are all true euphemisms, but they're still true. And then I go into the job and I intend to work hard and I intend to be a good employee, then it's mutually beneficial. They hired somebody who is skilled and is ready to do the job and work hard. If I lied about things, about my amount of experience, then it's not mutually beneficial because I controlled the outcome based on a lie. Okay, so now that we're clear on the definition of manipulation, hopefully unhealthy manipulation, we're only going to talk about unhealthy manipulation in the storm categories from tropical storm all the way, or actually lowest would be like thunder, thunderstorm all the way to, um, cat five. So that is 
only the ones that I'm going to talk about, not healthy ones, unhealthy ones, things that cause harm to someone else or control someone else, and they no longer have control over their faculties, given that they either are being controlled or have the illusion of control so strong that they think they're being controlled. So we're going to go into all of that, but um, I segmented it out so you guys can skip to different sections. This one is what is the definition of manipulation. Hopefully I covered it clearly and we are on to the next one. Okay, so we talked about what manipulation is, unhealthy manipulation, um, and that's from here on out only the manipulation that I'm going to address. Again, like I said, manipulation happens all the time. Um, in general, manipulation is, like, just recapping from before, because I love to do that. It's just changing the outcome. If it's beneficial for both parties and it's not unhealthy, if it changes the outcome for a better result, not negatively affecting other people, and smiling at someone gives you a better chance at them having a conversation with you. You change the outcome based on an action that you did without intending a controlled result. You did change the outcome. Therefore, it was a manipulation. Was it unhealthy? No, it was not. So we're only going to talk about toxic manipulations, unhealthy manipulations, and as long as you know the difference between the two, um, moving forward, we're only going to be talking about unhealthy ones. So, we are going to categorize them how you would a storm. And I came up with this idea literally recently because it was a hurricane here. And I was like, wow, like, depending on where you are and how strong the storm is, is how you get affected. Similar to manipulations, right? There's so many different types of manipulations. Some are catastrophic. No matter what you do, you will not change the outcome. You cannot change the outcome. It is not your fault. Even you could live in the best built house and a cat five comes through there, you're going to experience some damage. You cannot protect yourself from 300 or I know I haven't gotten to 300 mile per hour winds. That's way over what anything has ever been. But let's just say that they go up that high, right? If you have enough of uh, wind, like high winds, there's nothing that is going to stand. Nothing. Even the strongest building cannot withstand that. So... Yes, some buildings can be built to survive a Cat 5. So we're going to categorize Cat 5 as like the highest and higher than any hurricane that's ever hit. Higher, the highest where it is full demolition anywhere it goes. Right? But that's the only difference that we're going to have in the, you know, being able to um, categorize them. Everything else is going to kind of align with a normal, like, storm rating. So, Cat 5, we'll call it a Cat 6. We're going to add one extra in there, actually. Because Cat 6 has not been, um, there's never been a Cat 6. It doesn't exist. We're going to make it exist on this scale. Because it's going to be higher than what any 
building can withstand any region. It doesn't matter if you're A through F zone. So the manipulation from the manipulator is categorized as a storm from T-storm, thunderstorm, all the way to cat six. And then the susceptibility of damage is you in your current circumstance categorized in zones the most susceptible a all the way to the least susceptible f we're going to start at the top the top one cat six is the most horrendous the just most uh, damaging and no matter what you do will not um, change the outcome you have a cat six come through there let's just say 300 mile an hour winds for you there's nothing that's going to there's nothing that's gonna live through that survive that i mean we can just up it to 500 mile an hour winds right like earth would be demolished let's just say it happens in one region we know that a 500 mile an hour winds which don't exist obviously but if it did and we are using that analogy because there are people out there that are that damaging that no matter what you do, it will not change the result of the damage. No matter what. There's nothing that can be done. No matter what the victim does, there's nothing that can be done to it as strong as a person can be. Cannot still... Um, experience catastrophic demolition damage that is physical force violent actual violence not threats of violence but actual violence murder um all of those things you cannot change and all kind of literally go up under one that physical forcing force physical force if someone is forcing your arms to do something or forcing your body into doing something that you would never do outside of those circumstances then you are experiencing a cat six hurricane manipulation and physical force is the the most harmful and most dangerous because of the level of damage that it causes all the other ones are very important too and we're going to go through them but that is the highest physical force never ever anyone's fault when physical force is used to make someone do something or say something that they would not say or wouldn't do is never their fault None of the manipulations are anyone's fault. But some of them, we can be more prepared, right? Like if we have a cat one coming, we know that if we're not in zone A and we live in a sturdy built house, then we're probably going to be okay. So this is where I'm trying to educate you guys. There's nothing we can do about a cat six. Literally nothing. We have to deal with the aftermath and we have to work through it. But and there's nothing that you can do to be prepared for it except for like be as cautious as possible of like 
staying away from people with red flags, but even then, somebody can come and just snatch you up and that's it. You have no control over the outcome whatsoever. Okay? So, we got that one out. That's cat six. Now, we're going to just go through them and kind of like categorize them one by one. Um separately not going on the scale from beginning to end but just saying like this is the first one and what we think it's going to rank and also who is the most susceptible to the damage okay so now that we got the biggest one out of the way now we're going to look at what zones we are in right i don't have to go through a through f but you can get a clear indication by the way I'm explaining it is the most extreme would be A and they are susceptible to every single rainstorm. It doesn't even have to be a thunderstorm. We get we get excessive rain. Zone A is flooding. Period. They're used to it. They see it on a regular basis. Some people are prepared and don't live in that zone. And some people think of it as normal because that's all they've ever known. So zone A is the most susceptible to catastrophic damage. A thunderstorm can come through. Zone F is fine. Zone A is flooded. Same storm, susceptibility difference. Zone A is people who are more vulnerable. So typically very very young or very very old people who have mental disabilities people who have physical disabilities because a physical disability is going to put someone else in control of their faculties in certain situations if you are reliant on another physical person for your normal daily living eating, shelter, drink, sleeping, things like that. If someone else is in control of those things, then you don't have control over those things. Then you are susceptible to any kind of manipulation if that per if a person has the that control, if they are in the position of control or even even someone who finds their way in, they still have an amount of control. If you don't have control over your own physical body, your own physical thoughts, or even your own well-being, because a child is in the care of someone else. An elderly person, sometimes in the care of someone else. A mentally disabled person, in the care of someone else dependent on another person for survival, basically. So another zone A person though would be, and this one is um, controllable to an extent, someone who grew up in zone A, parents were in zone A, grandparents were in zone A, flooding's normal, right? They've seen so many storms in their life, big ones, small ones, 
and they get catastrophic damage so regularly that they've become detached to physical things and they just deal with it. They are the first to put up sandbags. They are the first to seal their windows because they know the routine. The sign of thunder, they're running inside and, you know, getting prepared. The damage is still going to happen because they're in that zone A. And this thunderstorm over here in zone A is causing flooding there where they're stressed and trying to put buckets and trying to keep their livelihood. And you got someone in zone F. It's like, oh, that was a nice thunderstorm that we just had. I liked sitting on my porch watching it. The difference. So stressed to maintain a just regular like level of normalcy versus someone over here not stressed because the storm isn't even affecting them. So that is a huge difference, right? But someone who's in zone A that has the ability to move, right? A child doesn't. An elderly person, mentally disabled, those people are stuck in zone A. Those are people who are in zone A and are susceptible until um, sometimes forever or sometimes for a given period of time because a child will grow into an adult and learn things and maybe move out of that zone. But an elderly person, probably not probably going to be the rest of their life in zone A. Mentally disabled person, probably the rest of their life in zone A. Physically disabled person, probably. I'm saying probably, because there are recoveries and things, but most likely zone A. So they're stuck there. There's no chance of them ever experiencing complete normalcy from storms. If there's a storm, okay? So like, some kids are lucky and they have good parents and they ha have good family and they're always protected by people around them and they don't experience a storm or maybe they do little ones here and there but doesn't affect them as greatly you've got a kid whose parent is manipulating them they're constantly in turmoil they're constantly having to do damage control, and we're talking about a child who can't move, can't do anything about the situation that they're in. So, then you go over here to someone who has control. They can move, they can sell their house, but grandpa lives there, grandma lives there, mom lives there, dad lives there. They've been dealing with storms their whole life, and so has their parents, and that's all they've ever known. They still go, why me? Every time it storms, why, why, why? Stupid storm, stupid storm, every time. But they can move over to zone F and never have to worry about the storms that small again. Like I said, cat six can't control the outcome, but T storms definitely can. So that is because of where they are, not the storm level. Catastrophic damage and a low-level storm for zone A. No damage for zone F. Rank yourself somewhere in there, okay? 
I feel like I'm getting closer to zone F. So I feel like I'm progressing in understanding that where I need to be mentally. It has to do with mental health. It has to do with physical health. It has to do with your support system. These are all things we need to measure and figure out. Like, what can take me out? What does it take to take me out? Is it small things that take me out? Or is it big things? If it's big things, you're moving more towards zone F. If it's small things, you need to maybe find higher ground and figure out what it is that's keeping you where you are and figure out ways to prepare better. So, um, no matter how prepared a zone A person is, they're not that well off someone who's not even really like maybe don't even have any storm shutters or anything like but they're in zone f and they're like hey like it was just a thunderstorm so being prepared the best prepared um you know and having good everything else is good but if you have control over being in zone a and you just stay there a lot of people don't want to move they're comfortable there, even though it's constant stress every day, every day, every day, all the time, every rain, every shower. They're literally just so stressed. Can't maintain a normal, you know, level of everyday life because there's water everywhere. Things that they have, they're constantly experiencing loss. Huge, that's a huge one. Constantly, constantly experiencing loss. Either they deal with it with different ways like detachment they'll become detached to loss they'll become numb to it or they can hit a rock bottom and say all right that last storm just flooded my photo album of my kids and this is the last one that i had and yes i'm still talking about manipulations but I'm trying to give you guys the analogy right so like it flooded something that's so important to me i'm moving and they're like, you know, they knew that they can move this whole time. But they finally decide. You got the people who don't know that moving even makes a difference. Like, they're in zone A. And they have friends in zone F. And they're like, huh, that's so weird. This storm must have really hit hard here. No, same storm. It could have even hit harder over as it moved towards zone F. But because they're in zone A. It's the problem. That's the problem. But they don't know that. Because they haven't been educated. So that's another factor where once you're educated, you learn about the storms and where you are at mentally and emotionally and physically. Those are the three things that you need to evaluate. Then you can make a decision whether or not where you're at is a good place or you need to move to somewhere else higher ground always seek higher ground i'm always seeking higher ground i mean are we ever gonna reach f you know <laughs> maybe not many of us are at zone f but you get the difference now so like going through each one now we're going to know where we are on that scale and then i'm gonna go through now on the next session or not session, but next segment of this session is going to be about each storm. And we're going to rate that storm based on the damage level it can do 
and then know that it's magnified in places as low as zone A, even like B, C, D, you know, like maybe you moved from A to B, but it didn't make much of a difference. Some people were like, oh, well, dump him. Okay, I will, right? You get with another person, they're doing the same things. Your storms are still coming, but you're in zone B, so what? You made a change, but it wasn't as good a change as moving further down to a better place. Maybe this person isn't using high as high levels of manipulation, but they're still getting damage, catastrophic damage even. So assessment so important because we need to know where we are at in order to figure out how badly a storm is going to affect us and what level of storm it's going to take to take us out. Okay, next segment. Also, pretty anecdotal, I want to tell you that um, the idea for categorizing these storms also came from my new job because they categorize patients and level of difficulty, not in needs, but more so attitude. So like somebody who's constantly upset and is going to cause a big scene and is really dramatic, they are considered cat five. So don't be a cat five, okay? Just don't be a cat five. Anyway, so <laughs> I thought that was really cool. And I was like, I need to implement this in my teaching because it does give a good idea of spectrum and where we need to be and what we need to be prepared for and how we can also, you know, do things. But they never, they don't have the zoning one part in their scale. It's more of like, they don't even go thunderstorms or anything. Like, basically, it's just Cat 5. They just use Cat 5. So that's just, like, the warning of, like, this person is going to cause problems no matter what you do, no matter what you say. So we need to be extra careful with this individual. So um, I kind of, like, implemented the rest with the zoning and things like that where we need to be at versus, like, you know, the storms themselves thunderstorm on the way to cat six now i'm gonna say cat six is the highest uh, even though it doesn't exist on the actual storm scale so we're gonna call this the ums scale nlv manipulation scale and i use scale twice because ums scale would be nlv manipulation scale scale because it's bad grammar it's called the ums and that is what we're going to use to measure the manipulation and where we're at, and the zoning, where we're at. Okay, so we're on the same page. So at this point, after a cat six, there is some amount of control. Like I said, zone A, certain things, be different reasons for being in zone A, there's not, there's not a lot of control. There almost no control, they're stuck in zone A. The people who move from zone A, right? Those people have control. And so going through this, there's an illusion of control that the manipulator projects onto you using these manipulations. And some of them are the illusion of control so much that there are ways to overcome and prepare for it and it not affect you at all. 
Germany. What is gaslighting? Gaslighting is making someone question their own sanity by creating perception. I'll go into more explanation because I don't want to use big words and like sound, try to sound smart. But like, I'm not doing it to try to sound smart. I'm just trying to use a vocabulary that best suits what I'm trying to say. But basically, they make you question your own sanity, your own observations, what you see with your own eyes, what you feel with your own body, what you hear with your own ears, what you're sure of, what you know, your feelings, your gut, your thoughts, your reality, okay? Gaslighting is when someone makes you question all of those things, or any of those things, and it's done with the intent of gaining control so that you rely on their observations of sight and reported sight, hearing, what they feel, a think, all those things versus your own, trusting their gut over yours, trusting their thoughts over yours, trusting their emotions over yours, trusting their everything, what they say and report that they see, hear, and feel over yours. That's their reality. There's a certain level of everybody experiences a different reality, right? But then there is the truth of what really happened. So let's just say I'm sitting in a room and someone is clucking like a chicken. I see their mouth moving. I hear the clucking and I know that they are doing that. It's not a misunderstanding. I've put all of those observations together and came to the conclusion that they are clucking like a chicken. However, if they look at me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been quiet this whole entire time. If they continue doing that and I allow them control, meaning trusting them over myself, I've questioned my own reality. Did I really see that? Did I really hear that? Am I crazy? So, based on the observations that I've made, I think one thing, feel a certain way, and have come to a conclusion. And then the reality is, they were doing it, right? Their perception may be different. That's what's crazy about all of this is their intentions sometimes aren't to gaslight. Maybe they don't even realize they're doing it. And that's possible. However, you have to constantly be aware that perception is reality. To a lot, your perception is your reality versus what is this standing truth. What is literally facts. If there was a recorder sitting up with a or video camera, there would be undeniable proof that this person is doing this. They couldn't deny it. it would, I mean, they can, but 
there would be physical proof. So something that could be physically proven, the other person's making a question what you perceived with their perception of it, and all the while intending, knowing the truth. Okay, so the manipulation of gaslighting is knowing the truth and still getting you to believe something that is not true. So in, a t in the terms of gaslighting, if the person was unaware, they were not gaslighting. However, that's where you have to be more aware of how you tell people things. Sometimes saying, no, I wasn't doing that, or I didn't think I was doing that makes a big difference. Now, that word gets thrown around a lot. Some people actually use it for every form of manipulation. Oh, you're gaslighting. Gaslighting. Well, you're gaslighting. Oh, wait. How do I know? Because if you don't know the definition and you don't know how to spot it, a lot of times a manipulator can gaslight you into thinking that you're the gaslighter, which is crazy. But that is the reality of how powerful this storm is. But people who are more susceptible to it are in zone A. They're, they're demolished. They don't have a chance. At all. This is, this is, we're going to say this isn't even a thunderstorm. This is, we're going to call this a cat one. Because, well, cat two. Cat two. We'll say cat two. Because it's very dangerous. Making someone question their own reality is so incredibly and it, it's so incredibly manipulative because that is the biggest battlefield is our own mind we fight so many battles in our own mind that psychological warfare is the most dangerous besides physical force so actually we're gonna do I mean this level is still preparable and can be overcome. So we're not going to go any higher than a cat, too. But I'm going to say that... Or cat... We'll say cat three. Cat three. Okay. We're going to cap it at a cat three. That's what I'm going to put on, on the notes. Cat three. We're going to say that it's very dangerous. It's definitely one that needs to be prepared for, learned about, understood, so that you're not susceptible. And what zone you're in is very important. A child can be gaslit so easy because they believe the people that they trust. And if you tell someone that it is very, very young, that something is the way it is, they will question their own reality. They know that wasn't that wasn't me. I didn't do that. They're like, oh, well, I'm so little that I trust you, a big person, to tell me the truth. So I must be wrong. Now, of course, you got the kids that are like, nah, -uh, you know. But I'm. It truly, children are very vulnerable to gaslighting, which is sad because it is a tactic that gets used, and when it gets used on a child or someone in zone A, the elderly even. I mean, think about all the scammers that call and say like, oh, you have a virus. You know, they're being 
manipulated into something that isn't true. You're being told something is a reality that's not a reality. And they're, they're bought into this because they don't trust their own feelings, sight, sound, their own observations. And why would a child, they put all of their trust into their parents or into the trusted adult. So, or someone older than them, even. This is a power dynamic that we're going to talk about later. But as far as zones go, a cat 3 is just going to devastate every time. Zones A through B and C and D devastate. I mean, A, B, and C. We'll say A, B, and C. D and F have a chance. So, think about that, because psychological warfare is just so intense. It can make someone commit suicide. React, questioning someone's react, like, that is the way to break a human spirit. Truly, break a human spirit is making them question their own reality. Because now, no longer do they have their own will. They have the will that they are going by of another human being who may not have their best intentions. Um, the best intentions for them. So. And again, a lot of people misterm gaslighting. Um, if, like, for instance, um, what is another way people are like, oh, that's gaslighting. Um, you know, when they, not all manipulations are gaslighting. If someone's manipulating someone and they're guilt tripping them, sometimes that's considered gaslighting and it's not gaslighting, it's guilt tripping. So learning the differences, so that way you can call it what it is, call a spade a spade, because knowing the differences in the storms is important on how to prepare. Are we dealing with flooding? Are we dealing with storm surges? Are we dealing with wind? What are we dealing with? We need to know. So having that in our arsenal and knowing the knowledge is going to prepare us better. Are we in a zone that's okay for that? Again, there are certain people who have no control over what zone they're in. And then there are people who have control. So in this instance, this storm is very powerful, but there's an illusion of control. How we fight it? I know my reality. If you say something happened, and I say something happened, I'm going to tell you, this is the way that I saw it. I used my eyes to see, I used my hear, ears to hear. Now, on the occasion, will I hear some, you know, hear something wrong? Yeah, of course, everyone does. Will I see something wrong? Mm-hmm, yeah. Will I be a little bit off on details? Absolutely. But to make someone question my reality takes a lot because I will state the facts. I saw this with my own eyes. Unless there is an explanation for what I saw, I will trust what I saw. I will trust what I feel. If I'm hurt, my feelings are valid. Nothing what I do with my feelings are always valid. Your feelings at any given time in the history of ever, and I want you to know this, no matter what, are valid. 
your feelings are always valid. Doesn't mean that you can act on all of those feelings validly, but your feelings are valid. You're angry for a reason. Is it a good reason? Doesn't matter. You're angry for a reason. Are you sad for a reason? You're happy for a reason. Emotions are fleeting. They're very fleeting. Feelings are fleeting. Happiness, sadness, those are all things that are in the moment. We can talk about later in future discussions, future sessions. We'll talk about the difference between depression and sadness, happiness and joy. That's a future. That's like a little sneak peek into the future after the whole manipulation sessions. So, again, oh illusion of control or how much control someone has is an illusion to an extent depending on what zone we're in and what we can do to prepare if there's nothing we can do to prepare then we're in a zone that we can't help and the outcome is going to be the outcome unfortunately until circumstances change if we can change something we should. Educating ourselves is how we change. You're in zone A, and you know you can move to another zone. Do it. Don't allow yourself to continually go through that for no reason when you can put your resources and things into a better use. And you can live a better, happier, more productive, abundant life versus constant stress. You're in fight or flight all the time when you're in storm uh, zone A, right? Again, some people can't help it. Others, you can. So do move, move, make a change. So, gaslighting, making someone question their own reality, and it being intended to control. All of these, all of these storms are with the intent of control, to gain control over someone else's thoughts, feelings, physical actions, and spirituality, all of those things. That's what make you, that's what makes you, you. All of those things combined. If you have lost those things due to someone else, then you are being manipulated. So, now, it's different than two people having the same intentions and the same, same goals. Or sacrificing, that's another, you know, that's fine. I'm gonna be a stay-at-home mom while my husband, you know, works. I'm making a sacrifice because I'd rather work. This is not true of my situation right now. I'm just giving an example. And that's a sacrifice, but I'm willing to make it. Because I want to. However, if I'm being told no you stay at home because that's your place i'm gonna go work because that's what i'm supposed to do that is control see the difference doing it out of willingness sacrifice versus someone do making you do it and using any of these tactics and you know uh manipulations unhealthy manipulations to do so so we did we covered gaslighting hopefully pretty thoroughly and 
Like I said, that term gets used more than anything else. It's a buzzword that is just so overly used. In some cases, it is correct. In a lot of them, it's not. Um, just a flat-out lie is not a, a ca some gaslighting, you know? Like, it is making someone question their reality. So, like, in a situation where, like, someone is hiding something and they're like, no, I didn't do that. And you don't have, you don't have any proof or you don't have a reality to base it on, but you're just like, did you do this? You know, you're not even like worried about it. There's no like even feeling. You just you ask a question and the answer with the lie. It's not gaslighting. That's a lie. A blatant, flat out, plain old lie, but it's a lie. A lie is a manipulation. But we'll get into that. I think that's the most basic manipulation that there is. But the most common is gaslighting. Basic, lying, common, gaslighting. Are the most common, are the, we'll say, the most dangerously common. There we go. Because cat 3 is dangerous. Not super common. Cat 2 is more common, I guess. But it is pretty dangerous. If it's given enough power and you're not prepared enough. Okay. So. On to the next one. Oh wait. Um. I didn't tell you guys how you can prepare. I'm sorry. Not on to the next one. And I have it in my outline. But just um. Anyway. I'm getting used to this new style of podcasting. So. Bear with me. I'm not perfect for sure. And again, I appreciate you guys following me on this journey. So, um, the way that you can prepare for that storm is trusting your gut, trusting your feelings, trusting what you see. And like I said, of course, you know, you could be wrong, but that's where it's important where people word things as this is what I saw. I'm not telling you you didn't see what you saw. I'm saying this is what I saw. So like we could see the same thing and two different sides of it and see it completely different. It's very, very interesting how that can happen. A lot of times in movies they'll play this whole trope where, you know, you don't hear the whole conversation, but it looks like someone is cheating. Or they walk away right as the person rejects them, but it looks like they were cuddling up and getting close. And it was really someone being more like an aggressor and then them like being in shock of it and then being like, whoa, no, I have a girlfriend or I have a boyfriend. But the other person walked away before they could see that. So they've taken what they've seen. They made an assumption and a conclusion based on what they've seen in their mind. And then they bring that to the table. That's what they're bringing to the table is what they've seen. However, if someone says they didn't even see that at all, that's gaslighting, right? No, you didn't see me at like, say, okay, say this scenario is a woman is walking to her house and through the window, she sees another woman kissing her husband. And then she storms off because what, why would my husband be kissing someone else? First of all, 
the reality is that the other person kissed her husband. Force kiss. Right? Why was she in the house? We don't know. I don't care. This is, this is based on that scenario without any other underlying details. Okay? Is it the husband's fault that the woman's in the house? Who knows? But the whole issue is that a woman kissed the husband. Now, the wife may be looking through that window and see the kiss and think that her husband was into it or think that he was cool with it or think that that was mutual or think that he started whatever she thinks is what she thinks but she knows what she saw a kiss happened period the end of discussion now she confronts that husband and says i saw a kiss through the window between you and so and so that's what i saw my own eyes and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. That no one was here. That's gaslighting. If he says, let me explain what you saw. Because on my end, I was trying to get this saleswoman out of the house. And next thing I know, she's grabbing my face and coming in for a kiss. And I don't know what happened. That is explaining what the other person saw adding to it with their own perception of reality and making sense of what the person saw so they're not crazy they did see that but they maybe their feelings were a little bit different after they know more details but they can trust what they physically saw so if i state facts when someone gaslights me someone says well, I didn't say that. I heard you say that. No, you didn't hear anything. I definitely heard you say that. That's it. That's all. That's all. That's all you have to do. Because if they can't convince you to, uh, your, to alter your own reality to theirs, gaslighting doesn't work. There's nothing anybody can do to convince me that what I see here, taste, feel, think and spiritual belief especially belief especially is is wrong if i'm making physical observations not like okay in the instance of like i might mishear something but i know that i didn't hear it clearly so there is a part of me that's like if someone says i didn't say that okay i heard you say that from where I'm at, but what did you say? Make sense of that. And then say, oh, I said this. And it sounds similar, so it makes sense. I did hear something, and I'm not 100% sure, because it wasn't clearly audible, but I know I heard them speak, so if they say I didn't say anything, then there's a problem. So you're questioning physical reality. I know that I saw their mouth open, words come out, and then they're saying, I didn't say a word. I've been silent this whole time. That's gaslighting. I might have heard something different than what they physically said. That's my perception. But something was said. So dismissing an event 
and saying it didn't happen when someone physically witnessed an event. A witness is a very high thing. Even like, you know, in court, if there's a witness, someone sees, someone hears, they take that as proof that is evidence because that is a way to experience reality. Okay? Some things like this can be misconstrued. The event happened. Can't deny that. Stating specifically, this is what I saw, this is what I heard. If you're sure that you heard that, which audible can be more misconstrued than physical observations. However, putting two together can solidify an event even more. If you heard the words, then you saw the whatever, the event. Your feelings in that moment are also valid to you and your perception. And then there's another thing that's very spiritual called your gut. My gut tells me that this person is lying. That's what my gut's saying. Is it proof? No, it is not. But my gut is giving me a feeling and it's based on things that I know. Thing, experiences or whatever. So I'm going to say, hey. I have a feeling that this is going on. If it is going on, which is the reality, right? And they think, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not doing anything. But it is happening. That's gaslighting. They get you to question your own gut. They have turned you over to their will and their control. I tell everyone, trust your own gut. Like, your gut is your guiding force for to protect you. And that is, like, from every evolutionary standpoint, what keeps us alive. Your gut tells you you're in a dangerous situation because you probably are. Your gut tells you someone's lying probably because they are. I, my gut's never been wrong, so I'm going to say 100% of the time I trust my gut. You might have a feeling that something is happening, but there's a reason. So getting to the bottom of a reason, communication is very important. You can't always know if you're being gaslit. Because if you have a feeling, you don't have proof. Like, hey, if you've been a little a little off lately question the proof not the accusation but the proof so you know certain things are facts always use facts to negate gaslighting because it works saying what you physically experienced what you physically saw what you physically heard from your perception period no change like they can only change your mind if it makes sense to you and your gut says, okay, that's acceptable. Not, oh, that doesn't sound right, but okay, that's not acceptable. Uh, case in point, my ex went into a room alone with a girl, locked the door. I was in the house. I said he needed to talk to her, which was 
my gut was like, something's wrong. Why would he go into a room, lock the door, and have to talk to this girl? Something's wrong there. There's red flags, right? Like, that's, it's not normal. So my gut is telling me something's wrong. Then I hear, physically hear, sounds, right? Like, those sounds. And I'm like, okay, now I heard stuff, but I didn't physically see it. So when I question him about it, things physically happened, but he denies it and says, no, nothing happened. I don't know what you heard, but it wasn't me then it's completely denying reality and making me more susceptible to believing him. And that's what happened in that moment. Now, in this present moment, I'm going to trust my gut. No, you're not going into a room alone with a girl. Why would you? Why would you think that's okay? Or in this, in actually, in the reality that I'm in now, in the life that I live and the choices that I make now, if a guy went alone into a room with a girl knowing that that is not acceptable unless it is unless there's a circumstance right there's always out outlying circumstances there's always like room for negotiation of some things boundaries are not physical boundaries are not room for negotiation but say that person is his cousin and i don't know that that's his cousin and he's going to talk to her about uh, planning a birthday party for me. Is he doing anything nefarious? No. Is it a little wonky for me? And I'm like, why is he going into a room alone? But that's where the other person, if they care about you, is going to assure you. So that once you're reassured, and they may even do something, be like, hey, I'm going to leave the door open a little bit, but I really don't want you to hear what we're saying because it pertains to like a surprise you know they don't even have to say that just like the amount of trust you have with that person is based on pattern so we can talk about that another time too but your gut really really will give you a good inkling of what's going on and the person that i'm with now wouldn't even walk into a room alone with another girl that's how well i choose who is in my life now they know my boundaries they know what is acceptable and what isn't and if they did i wouldn't question my reality it would be a simple conversation and it would make sense and if it didn't make sense and it was something questionable then i just wouldn't deal with manipulation i would just exit the relationship because at any point in time if i feel my gut is telling me i'm being manipulated i'm not gonna stay it's not worth it I don't care if I've invested 10 years. If manipulations are starting, I'm not going to be a part of it. So, that's how you avert gaslighting. That's how you stop gaslighting is you state the facts. And no one can question the facts. I saw this. I heard this. This is my perception. This is my reality. I feel this. My reality. My perception. Could it be wrong to the actual truth? Yes. It could be slightly off. But you did witness something. And that's important. In fact, gaslighters love to change the events and the order of events and make you feel like you just 
don't have a reality anymore. And my fact, you just feel crazy all the time. You're like, wait, he said that I did this, but I know that I didn't. But then, and then that causes much more uh, problems in your brain because your brain is like, well, I know this happened. But he's saying that causes neuropathways to, to cram up, right? Because your like, brain follows certain neuropathways to certain reactions and certain uh, things. Like when your gut's telling you something, it's your body warning you. It's your body warning you that something is wrong in that situation. Based on factors that sometimes you yourself don't even know. It could be someone acting differently. But they're acting differently. So that is something that you bring up to a gaslighter. These are the facts. You are acting differently. You can't tell me any different. You normally text me in the mornings. Every morning. Good morning. And today you didn't. Now there may be a reason. But you're, quite, you're stating facts. You have not said anything at all that isn't a fact. So if them being like, oh my god, you're overreacting. No, I'm stating facts. I need you to explain the difference in behavior. Are you having a hard time? Are you having a bad day? But there's a reason. There's a reason for my observation. And my gut is telling me something is off. It may not be that the other person is doing something bad. But how you know you're being gaslit is the facts are being completely ignored. Completely. When they say, no, I, I texted you good morning, but here's my phone, and there's no good morning text. No, I did. I did. I texted you good morning, knowing full well that they didn't, right? But then, all these other things are, like, going through your head. Oh, maybe they did, and I just didn't get it. Maybe my service was bad. Maybe my phone was off. Maybe something is wrong. Like, so you, you're questioning reality. You didn't get a text. So, saying, I did not receive a text this morning is reality. Using your, your words to define reality versus your perception. Perception is, you didn't text me. That's what you assume because you didn't get a text. So they can twist that. I did text you, you just didn't get it. But saying, I didn't receive a text from you this morning, puts it more into a factual standpoint. Now, if they at that point say, well, I texted you. Okay. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. If they did, then easy. Here, let me show you on my phone. See, it says 8.42 a.m. And how come it doesn't show up on your phone? Maybe we need to figure this out. They're not going to blame you or be angry with you for stating facts. A gaslighter. Yeah, I texted you. Something's wrong with you. Something's wrong with your phone. Okay. Why is it that you could easily prove it? I'm not saying you have to, but you could. And yet you're over here just slamming into me for just stating facts. Which is you literally, or I, perception, I, my experience, I did not receive a text from you 
this morning. And those are little things, like, but I'm just saying, like, a physical event witnessed, a physical thing in your experience, no one can take that away from you. You did not receive a text. Whatever the reason, they're the reason. Getting to the bottom of that reason is going to either reveal a truth that you don't want to know, or... A simple explanation. If the person is on your side, because you're not against each other, you stating a fact is just stating a problem that you need a resolution. As a couple, they're going to want to help you find that resolution. As a person who's lying and trying to hide something, they're going to try to steer you as far away from the truth as possible. Making you question your own reality is gasolining. So, as long as you guys understand that and maybe um, know that because it's such a buzzword, people use gaslighting to pretty much describe every form of manipulation. Even blackmail has been called gaslighting, and I'm like, no, that's blackmail. So, just letting you know, that specifically is what gaslighting is. And I'll give you kind of the backstory since we're already 40 minutes into the session. Um, it's going to be a pretty long session, but I think because I've divided it up into segments that it's digestible and people can remember where they're at. They can go back to different segments as needed to um, listen to it in increments, but it's important for me, I think, because of my outline and what time frame I have to get this done in. Um, to get it all out. And I hope that this is not uh, super distracting. It's, it's like ASMR, right? But my son is taking a shower at 2 a.m. for some reason, which is very abnormal. Um, so hopefully that's not too distracting for you guys. Um, yeah. It shouldn't last long, but hopefully you guys got the gist of everything that I said, and then I will go into the history of the word gaslighting, because it literally stems from a story where, and I think it's a play, if I'm not mistaken, but the, the whole entire point of it is that it's a husband and wife, and a husband turns down the gas heater a little more every day. And the reality is the wife is feeling colder and colder. And the husband says, I didn't touch the gas heater at all. I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. It's not colder in here. And he keeps doing it until it, it is off. So it's a little more every day until there's no heat coming from the furnace. No heat coming from the gas heater. And yet, he's over here experiencing making her perceive a reality of his where he's like even like man it's hot in here and she's like what it's freezing are you kidding me and he's like are you crazy it's all the way up why would you think it's cold she's feeling cold her body is cold she experiences physical cold symptoms 
like seeing her breath even and he has convinced her that it's on and he never touched it and at this point it's all the way off he did it slowly because a gaslighter will inch their way to a complete distortion of reality something that they love to do with gaslighting with questioning your reality is to tell you that you're crazy um which is not true and that's a lot of times a part of the gaslighting that is the hardest because how do you define crazy typically people who want to be better people look inward for the problem and they think they are the problem so that's why gaslighting works on empaths because they're like oh this is the reality you're crazy if you think this so then they're like oh my goodness i could be crazy this person has had to put up with my craziness and then you completely trust the will of the other person because you no longer trust your gut and you think you can't be trusted because your mind isn't all there and in some ways you feel like you can't trust yourself because of things that the gaslighter has put in plain view as evidence that you can't be trusted so saying well you forget things all the time so how are you going to remember what conversation we had? You mishear things all the time. So a gaslighter or a person manipulator will use absolutes all the time, every time, always, never. Those are things that they use. Absolutes. Because it is proven that when people use absolutes, it sounds more accurate. And it's also like makes you question, oh my gosh, you always forget things. And you're like, you may have only forgotten something like your keys or your wallet twice in the last month, which is pretty dang good because I do it all the time. And yet you're looking at those two times and you're like, wow, you're right. Always though, now for to you, in the idea that they're right because it always happens so it's an alteration of facts mixed in with truth you may have forgotten your keys a couple times but like the fact that they're using that to make you question your own reality so making you feel like you're crazy is the biggest symptom of gaslighting and uh, like I said earlier most importantly a gaslighter will use the word gaslighting and then a person who's an empath or cares about the relationship don't have to be an empath will go inward and say oh no oh no oh no I heard about that I don't want to be a gaslighter I don't want to be a manipulator I'm so sorry I can't believe I'm doing that a narcissist and a sociopath will never look inward. 
I'll talk about some of the things that they do later that sounds like they're looking inward, but those are manipulations as well. And it's very important to make the distinction between looking inward and those other things I'm going to talk about later. But gaslighting, we covered it in full, I hope, I think, and I just want you to know every aspect of it. So when you are faced with that storm, you are well prepared. State the facts from your perception and your reality. Some facts are absolute facts. If something was videotaped, you have physical proof. A really talented gaslighter, talented meaning negatively talented, a gaslighter, master gaslighter, will make you question physical evidence of video that you can replay over and over and over and hear the same, like audibly clearly, somebody say something and they can say, that wasn't me in that video. And you can clearly see it's them. Like there's no question in your mind. It's them. Same beauty mark, whatever. Same everything. And you're like, what? And you're like, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about, but that's not me. That reality so strong of having physical proof, evidence that you can constantly examine. And yet, with that proof in hand, they can make you question that reality. That's the worst of a gaslighter. That's that's the worst gaslighter. So I guess a gaslighter can range from a cat two to cat three. We'll say that they can kind of go back and forth. The ones that can make you question a um, examinable reality, meaning like a video to draw from, a clear audio where they're saying, nope, that's not my voice, that's not me, or you didn't hear that, and you're like, it's literally on this tape. You said this. Yeah, that's me, but I didn't say that. Well, I'm playing it over and over, and you're also in this reality with me, and I'm examining, examine over and over a reality the more times you examine your observation is the same more than likely that is closer to what reality is than what they're explaining scientific observations is that right if we get the same result over and over and over more than likely that's the reality so hopefully i covered gaslighting enough where if it's used against you you know what to do. State the facts. Um, don't tolerate gaslighting. If you make someone aware that they're gaslighting, not that you should throw that word around, because, again, that's just going to get it thrown around back and forth. So, like, quit gaslighting me. I mean, some people don't even know what gaslighting is. So, it's like, oh, you're gaslighting me. But if you state the facts, you say, why are you trying to get me to question what I saw when I know I saw it? If they're in any way empathetic and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, that's not what I was trying to do. That was not my intention. I just saw it this way and you see it this way. Then that's not necessarily gaslighting. That's just a misunderstanding. But if they're getting you to question reality, have no empathy that you feel, act, think, and believe a certain way, 
and are trying to steer you away from discovering the truth. Maybe you have a video that you played a hundred times and you physically saw someone commit an act on that video and you know it's truth and they tell you no, what you saw is not true, but then they destroyed the evidence. Now they say that you never saw the video. What video? Doesn't exist. You're crazy. There's never a video. There are people who can get you to believe that. And a matter of fact, I was with a person that was that manipulative and how I, and also I was in zone A at the time. So it, it was just catastrophic damage no matter what. So hopefully that explained everything and we can move on to the next one. All right. So the next one is pretty common. It's a lie. It's very common. Kids do it. They're like, no, I didn't do this. Or, you know, like, did you eat the cookies? No, no, I didn't. Not necessarily gaslighting because there's not any, I mean, lying and gaslighting are very close at hand, but they're not questioning a physical event or reality that you witnessed. You didn't witness them eating the cookies. If you saw them eating the cookies and then they said they didn't, that's gaslighting. But you see that there's empty cookies, which is problematic, but you don't know where they, what happened. You can draw many conclusions, usually only one, especially if you only have one kid in the house. <laughs> like if it's just you and that kid, you're like, yeah, okay. I definitely know it was you. But still, it's a plain old lie. Which people say, oh, there's white lies and there's, you know, I don't like lies. I think my personal opinion on lies is the only time a lie is acceptable is when it's preventing harm to another person's well-being. And that doesn't mean keeping them out of trouble. It means to their life or to their mental health in such a way that it would affect them extremely negatively. Um, in the best example, a shooter is walking through a school and is looking for someone and that person is hiding and someone tells the shooter they're not there. I don't know where they went, but they're not here. Knowing that they're hiding there. They're preventing loss of life. In which that is extremely acceptable. Because you're weighing out the damage of the lie. You are lying to someone who their intent is to hurt, harm, maim, or kill. So you are preventing the hurt from happening. That's the only acceptable lie in the history of ever that I will accept or believe is okay. Um, truly. So, um, in any of those, like, preventing extreme, you know, damage or whatever, um, it, and it can, you can be weighed out versus, like, what is the result in damage and cost, was it costing 
to tell the truth? Will it benefit telling the truth? Um, as far as like loss of life and things like that, over like we don't want a loss of life versus like if you tell the shooter if someone's in there, they're gonna shoot them. Telling the truth only gave them an advantage to hurt, whereas lying actually gave the person who is the victim an advantage to live. So that's the only case that's acceptable. So that's much different than giving yourself from going to jail. Is this person in your home? Are you harboring a fugitive? Yes. You know they're going to be taken in and that's the end of that. Um, it's not a comfortable experience, but there's no loss of life there. Um, well, in some cases, just weigh out, make sure you weigh out the, the, the survive, like the top thing with survival of human beings, like the harm, making sure no one is having harm come to them versus or you're just keeping them out of trouble, right? Or yourself out of trouble, or, you know, that kind of thing. Or your own child, sometimes, right? Um, kids lie all the time to protect themselves from getting into trouble. And I tell my kids there's a benefit in telling the truth. Because the worst truth is better than the best lie. I can handle the truth because it gives me a baseline of reality and gives me something that I can prepare for and I know what to do in that circumstance. Um, if someone lies to me, I don't have a clear concept of reality and I'm not able to be prepared for what reality is at hand. Cookies being gone, hmm, on the scale of importance, not the biggest thing to be unprepared for. However, like, cheating. Person says they're not cheating. Okay. They're lying about where they're at. They're lying about what they're doing, and they're cheating, and now they're bringing home STDs. I have no concept on how to prepare for that if I don't know that there's a possibility for that. So, there is an issue with cheating, or not cheating, there's an issue with lying on all levels, but the severity of causing harm to someone else is that a lie can keep someone in the dark so they're not prepared for an event or something happening in which if they would have known the full truth they would not have allowed themselves to gotten in that situation case in point if the person says hey you know um I cheated. Now, that now has presented me with the truth, and now I can make a decision based on that. And now I know factors and risks of moving forward. I could choose to move forward, which, like I said, the life choices and things that I do now would never be an option. 
I'm not saying it can't be for you, but I'm saying it is not an option for me. Um, someone cheats on me, they know way ahead of time before we even start the relationship that that is a deal breaker and it will never, ever be rekindled. So, that's my boundaries. Um, and, you know, it's up to you what you're willing to put up with and deal with, but for my sanity's sake, it's just unacceptable and it's behavior that can be avoided. Giving certain communication and things like it's just, it's completely unacceptable. So, um, lying is dangerous in a lot of ways, but you can't control another person telling you the truth or not, right? You have no control over that. So, what do you do when you're being lied to? Well, there's a few things we do have control over. We have control over our observations and patterns. If a person is caught in a lie. Okay, that means trust has been broken. You can no longer rely on their word. Now you have to rely on a multitude of other things. Your observations included. And behaviors and actions. And you're more hypersensitive to change. Well, you caught them in a lie, and now they're being more distant, or they're texting less, or let's just say all of a sudden they're just giving you flowers out of nowhere. Well, that's weird, right? Like anything that is out of nowhere or different, a major change, the reaction to that, the physical reaction to that is the body is alarmed and there's a feeling associated with that, which is a warning. The feeling can be valid. Feelings are always valid, but the feeling can be validated with truth, or it can be reassured with truth, or it can be lied to and reassured, and you don't know. I tend to go with, if trust is broken, I'm going to rely on my own faculties and my own perceptions, and it's your job to give me the reassurance that this isn't going to happen. However, in my life, if someone lies to me in a relationship, they no longer have that standing with me. Lying is serious business to me because they know how important it is and I don't lie. I don't like it. I don't see a point in it. It's making the other person feel like they're stupid. Because if someone lies to me, I'm like, you really? Like, when I find out that I the lie, maybe you don't know right away, but when you find out, the truth always comes out at some point, even if it's 10 years down the road, right? Forensic files is finding all these things from, like, 50 years ago. It's coming right into the light. People have lied for so long, but can't, can't dispute physical evidence. So, um, before there was, like, DNA, now there's DNA testing, so it will find you. The truth will always find you. And for me, my instinct is to tell the truth because I don't want someone to be unprepared for what the 
I, what position in the lie I would put them in. If I did something, it was wrong. But I'm not going to lie to get out of it. I'm going to take accountability for it. And I'm going to figure out what caused that action, what is going on in my mind and my thoughts to have that. Lying is just being able to skirt off accountability. It's a cop-out to accountability. Maybe you get caught, maybe you don't. But you're not progressing as a human being. You're not getting better as a human being. You're degressing because you are not learning that what you did was wrong. If you're lying to get out of it. Um, lots of different reasons people lie. Sometimes people do something I call sugarcoating, which is another manipulation, which... I never realized was a manipulation until I really analyzed it like I am with you guys. As an empath, we are natural sugar coders. We don't want people to feel bad. It is so hard for us to say a reality or a truth that hurts someone. So hard. Even if it has nothing to do with us. Someone's dog could have died. We do not want to be the person to tell them that. So we sugarcoat things, which is a manipulation because ha if they were presented with the pure, raw, unadulterated truth, they would feel a different way. And we are keeping them from feeling, even though it's a negative way, but people need to grieve, right? Like people need to grieve the loss of something or someone so a lot of times I do this with people in relationships um that I saw something wrong or I saw my perception my reality um a person was in a toxic relationship you know but instead of telling them um there's some red flags that you need to check out like oh you guys are so cute together mm. oh i'm gonna take pictures because i want to make someone feel good right like and that's a problem that's a toxic problem with empaths um and in another future session which i'm keeping track of these don't worry in another future session i will revisit the empath versus the evolved empath um an empath raw empath is toxic to themselves and to others in some ways because they're not able to handle negative emotions sorry my son wanted to um tell me good night because he just got out of the shower at two in the morning or yeah like two something in the morning my goodness anyway so teenagers right um so sugarcoating or well okay we're talking about like empaths like um toxic an empath is a raw empath is toxic to themselves and to other people because they do not want to um experience negative emotions or have other people experience negative emotions Sadly, um, this brings me to, if you've ever seen the movie Inside Out, 
where joy is constantly denying sadness feelings like oh no 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 we can't be sad we're not sad we're not sad don't be sad don't be sad don't be sad don't be sad so i feel like an empath is a lot like that where people need to experience all the range of emotions i'm not saying that people dwell in sadness because that becomes depression but experiencing the emotions makes us human so denying someone that creating like a sugar-coated truth where it's not really the truth and it is you know you're not lying but you're sugarcoating i used to do that where i'm like okay i'm not lying but i'm also not like i'm making it sound better than it is because of the words that i'm using or you know being upbeat and there's lots of ways of doing that in which presented with the correct information they would not react the same way that's still manipulation unhealthy manipulation even though your intentions are good so it's not always someone's intentions to harm you or harm other people that manipulations are toxic but all unhealthy manipulations are toxic even sugarcoating because you're not giving the true ingredients you're telling everyone that it's rainbows and butterflies now upon discussion with my nine-year-old who we talk about all of these things that i'm sharing with you for a nine-year-old she's gotten the concepts so well she has very good questions and very good comparisons and a very good understanding of it for nine years old i'm so impressed um but at the same time one of the questions that she brought up is okay so what is the difference between being positive about something in the middle of a negative situation which we've talked about like you have something that you hate doing you're like well at least i get to spend time with my family doing it and you're drawing all the positives and you're pulling in all the things that can make you you know keep doing it or like keep going like all the negatives are really hard but you just keep finding all the positives to keep going keep yourself in a forward motion we talked about that in earlier sessions but that difference is I am not using this information to control any other result of anyone else except my own mentality and my own control of my own feelings. I could dwell on the negativity, as it is a reality, or I could dwell on the positivity, which is also a reality. I'm not going to state things that are untrue. If someone's being rude to me, I'm not going to say, wow, that person's so nice. Because that's a lie. <laughs> so, you have to, and I've, I've realized that I am more, I respect people who are blunt now so much. Because they give you the cut dry, this is it. They're not going to add to it, they're not going to take away from it. This is how it is. Now, People are blunt with their opinions. People are blunt with the facts. Either way, 
They're stating where they stand and you know where you stand with those people. They will never be like, hey bestie, and then backstab you because they say, hey, I don't like you. Please don't talk to me. Um, <laughs> blunt people, I love. I love in my circle because I know where I stand with them. Um, that being said, a person who is an empath, a toxic empath, because like I said, there can be toxicity in something that sounds so pure and so wonderful. And I had to realize that, that empaths are the most susceptible to these storms. Empaths are the most susceptible to these storms. You guys got it? You're in zone A if you're a toxic empath. Can you still be an empath and change the toxicity? Yes, you can. I still am an empath, but I've created ways to keep myself from damaging others and myself. Those are called boundaries. Yeah. So those are like important because without those, me setting boundaries, right? And then also knowing that I am not necessarily um, helping other people by trying to always make it sound really great. Being positive is one thing, and not dwelling in negativity or my own mental state. And, you know, being positive in a work environment. Like, oh, we're gonna have a really great day. Even if bad things are happening, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. But let's say someone's in a terrible relationship. Because I was using that example earlier and I'd like to delve more into it because I feel like that one, for me, was an eye-opener. I know someone who was in a abusive relationship, toxic relationship. And I think I brought it up to her one time, like, mm, I don't think he, like, is that nice to you? Immediately negative, um feedback from my friend what you don't like him and so it turned me into okay i support you no matter what i love you and if you think this person's amazing the person's amazing well no saying oh you guys are so cute together when i know the facts are that he's abusive so i'm allowing myself to go with the flow, if you will, or keep a certain emotional standing with someone by denying the facts. My intentions are to keep a positive, like, not bring on negative emotions from someone else. They may be affected by the things I say. You're in a toxic relationship. That's the blunt truth. You're in a toxic relationship. That might change how they feel about it. But if I'm over here, like, being their number one fan of that relationship, even though truly I'm not, I'm sugarcoating everything. Like, it's not factual. And I'm being toxic to my friend. I'm not being a true friend. Because a true friend would get someone out of that any way possible. Or stand by them and say, like, 
this has been the case more recently, I love you. You're in a toxic relationship. But I support you as a person. I don't support your relationship. I love you. I will do anything that will help you. But I am not okay in how this person treats you. The negative effect will happen where they're like, so you don't think we should be together. You don't support this relationship. I support you because I love you, but I don't think this person, from my observations, is treating you fairly or correctly or like you need to be treated and that hurts me. And it may make the other person wake up and be like, oh, wow, you see it too? Or do the complete opposite and cry and be like, why would you be so negative? Why would you feel this way? Your feelings are your feelings, and if you advocate for your feelings and how you feel, you'll never need to sugarcoat anything. Because I can clearly tell someone that I how I feel about something without having to sugarcoat it, which I used to have to all the time. I sugarcoated everything. Everything was butterflies and rainbows. But then I couldn't help people who really need to get help. I would just be like, you know hoping inside like please i hope they see that this is bad and then i'll support you 100 <laughs> i'm getting out but if i'm supporting the relationship and saying oh you guys are so cute together oh he's so nice to you and he's not i'm just drawing out one time where he may have given her a flower out of all the times that he like would beat her i'm sugarcoating the relationship this can be done in so many different ways but I think you guys get an understanding of sugarcoating and how toxic it is and how it is lying. It is a different form of lying than just flat out not telling the truth because it's a form of manipulation in and of itself that the desired result is a positive interaction. However, the result the true result and the truth result is a negative one because they're not able to experience knowing the full scale of truth. So you put you can put sugar on dog crap, but it's still dog crap. But if all I'm doing is going on and on about how sugary it is, no one's going to understand what they're about to get into if they take a bite. <laughs> so, that's the best way for me to describe it. I described it to my 15-year-old and he was like, dang, that's deep. <laughs> but it's, it's the best way that I can explain it because is it a lie? Mostly. You're so enveloped in the sugar that you're telling someone it's like a really good thing and it's not you're changing how they feel about something given your opinion or the facts you can sugarcoat facts and you can sugarcoat opinions but either one is negative the result is negative because it's not 
fear because I truthfully it's a selfish thing and a lot of people don't understand how similar empaths and narcissists are and I'll go into that another time we'll revisit that because I've gone into it before but I'll revisit it in a very like dichotomy um you know type of way and we'll like literally just dissect it straight down the middle and we're gonna go into like what are the differences similarities how toxic are both etc but people are under the impression that empaths are like angelic and as an empath i can tell you i was not my intentions to make everyone else happy is because when people are sad i was sad that's selfish it's selfish for me to say don't cry because i don't want to cry <laughs> experience those emotions live your truth if you have nothing if i keep someone sheltered from those feelings then they're not experiencing reality they're in this unicorn and rainbows sugar-coated world that I've created and the second their bubble gets burst they are going to be unprepared right like oh I just talked up this we're gonna like use the poop with sugar you know scenario I've talked about how delicious these sugar crystals are covering this entire thing can't they can't see the poop they asked me the ingredients, and all I'm talking about is the sugar. Facts, opinions. Yes, facts are there sugar in the recipe. Facts are also that I am leaving out and the most uh, important ingredient that if they knew was in it, change the outcome, and they wouldn't bite into it. So they're not prepared for what they're about to bite into because I told them it was just sugar so don't sugarcoat things be real because people appreciate the reality even if they don't say that they do they do subconsciously they will come to you when they have a real opinion if you are the truth teller and you tell it like it is, people are going to trust your opinion more. Um, place that I worked before, if someone was wearing glasses and they put them on, and they, in my opinion, were not right for them, I would not say, wow, you look amazing. A lot of people would, because they want to get a sale. They want to create a positive, uplifting environment but for me it's less about the positive environment and more about the truth and let's get you into something that is more fit for you maybe like style wise not for you size wise not for you but i'm giving you a reason and you can choose you know like there have been people like well i don't care what you think like i love them awesome i'm just giving you my information but at least you know i'm going to be honest at least you know that I'm not just saying it just so I can get you out the door because I don't care. 
and people who sugarcoat it's it's very disrespectful because the other person doesn't have the opportunity to prepare for the physical truth as raw as it is um someone could be like hey you know does this dress make me look awkward or is this dress too long too short whatever and you say the opposite of what you think only to make them happy what you're doing is you're preparing that you're putting them in a situation where someone else is going to tell them and then they're not going to trust you anymore so they're like hey just so you know like i don't know about that dress <laughs> what were you thinking and truth can be delivered in a nice way you don't have to tell someone god you look stupid you know but you can say i don't think that that dress is right for you and here's why and i guarantee you that person will come to you for an opinion every time um even if it is against what they think because they know that your opinion is your opinion and not influenced by making them feel good nobody wants to be placated i don't if i wear an outfit and i I'm asking the opinion nine times out of ten. I don't care about other people's opinions, so I don't ask. But if I'm asking an opinion, that means I care about what other people think. So, if someone is asking your opinion, they care about not just what you think, but what other people are going to think of them in that. And if you're giving an opinion that's unanimously probably like going to be across the board the same anybody else like say someone like i said i don't care what people think i'll mismatch on purpose and someone could be like wow that looks dumb like yeah thanks that's the look i was going for like it doesn't bother me however if i'm seeking the opinion for like i need to go on a job interview and i'm like do i look professional in this and for some reason i've overlooked the fact that it's completely unprofessional or there's something really wrong with my outfit i'm mismatching and i don't realize it or i don't see it and someone does and they have the opportunity to tell me but they just want to make me feel good i will never trust their opinion again because i'm unprepared i got put into a situation where i went into a job interview where i look stupid and i asked them specifically and they told me the opposite of what they felt now, they could have overlooked it too and been like, no, you look great. And then that's their opinion at that time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Opinions are opinions for that reason. But if I know that it's pretty obvious after being told, um, say there's a big red stain on the back of my shirt, but I don't see it. And I'm walking around, I'm like, how do I look? The person says, amazing. And they see the red stain. They don't say anything about it. This goes for y'all people who won't tell someone that there's broccoli in their teeth. Those type of things. Why? It's so easy. The truth is so literally easy. Is there anything in my teeth? Yes, there is. And then I saved you from humiliation. 
Now, if you don't care, you'll get something in my teeth. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't care. Crap. Who cares? I guess I'll get it out later. They're aware, but they don't care. That's me. I'm aware, but I don't care. Nine times out of ten. Like I said, in certain situations where it affects um, employment or things like that, I care. I'm not going to wear the clothes that I wear at home that, to work. No. But I care when I ask someone's opinion. Is this appropriate for work? Is this good? Does this look professional? I want that opinion for real. Everyone does. When you're seeking the opinion of others, you want their true, honest opinion. So when I was selling glasses, people came to me more so than some of the other people because other people would be like, every frame looks amazing on you. How do you do it? You must be a model. It's blowing smoke, which we'll get into a little bit later. Kind of the cousin of sugarcoating. But it is not the true opinion, therefore isn't trustworthy, isn't the truth, so it's manipulative. Again, not intended for it, a negative result, still getting a negative result. Unfortunately, that's how sometimes toxicity can be. You can be toxic and not know it, like I was as a toxic empath, and or unevolved or raw empath, and not know the traits that are causing harm to myself and to others. And that's one that was causing harm to others. Again, because they're unprepared for a situation that I'm putting them into. Knowing that I know something that they don't know. And I'm not revealing that to them because I don't want them to be sad. In situations where it's important that you keep that information secret because they won't be sad because they're like a kid or something. I weigh that out. Are my kids old enough to understand the concept? Can I talk them through this? Is this something they're going to be upset with not knowing later? I want my kids to have all the information. I want them to be fully prepared. If it's something that they can go without knowing right now, maybe. I have to weigh it out. But, like, for those parents who think they're doing a service where their hamster has lived 14 years because they keep replacing it, and every single time the hamster dies, they get one that looks just like it, that's a manipulation. Because you are altering the reality of that child thinking that their hamster lived 14 years. What's going to happen when they get one after they leave the house? This hamster died after more, how, I don't know how long hamsters left. Three years? Four years? I don't know. Two years? Not 14. So, you devastated them beyond all belief because this is not their reality. They should live 14 years. Then they find out that you've been replacing said hamster for 14 years. God, they're gonna be broken. You've lied to me for 14 years. Much easier to say, hey, so let's sit down. Let's talk. This is uncomfortable for both of us. You know, I want you to know that I love you very much. But what I'm about to tell you isn't going to be easy to grasp at your age or 
even if they're at the age to grasp it, because like if it's been going on for 14 years, they can grasp it in older age. But there's still levels that you can feed a child that don't have to be the gruesomest things, and you can, you know, be more positive about it. But it's not sugarcoating because it is the truth, and it is keeping them um, prepared for the future. So, sitting them down, let's talk about some of these things. Just because it's uncomfortable, this is the thing too, empaths are uncomfortable with confrontation. Flat out. They don't want negativity. They don't want negative emotions. Crying, someone else crying, is devastating. That's why we're so quick to comfort. That's why we're so quick to do anything to keep that from happening. In a way, like I said, in the future we'll discuss, in a way, it is self-serving because I don't want you to hurt only because it hurts me. I mean, not only because I want you happy, but also because it makes me happy. It's a secondary thing. My cup cannot be full unless your cup is full. Otherwise, my cup is not full because you're not full. And my obligation in my mind as a toxic empath is to make sure your glass is full because then I am fulfilled. And in ways, that is a beautiful thing. That's the reason we do things like charity and giving and generosity and things that are um, compassionate and showing human kindness and things. It's a self-satisfaction that is not toxic. But the motivation for doing some things can be toxic. So, thinking you're doing a service to someone and preventing them to experience reality and altering that reality, whether it's by lying, gaslighting, sugarcoating, or all the other things that we're going to talk about, um, blowing smoke, the cousin of sugarcoating, um, all of those things are altering reality in which you're controlling the emotions of someone else and in your mind in a positive way right you think you think this is why i don't tell my kids saying is real not against any parents that do to each his own do you boo boo but me i will not tell my kids something that is not true because i never want them to question my reality and their reality and believe something that's not true and then find out later that I told them something that wasn't true. Now, we've had fun with the lore of it. There is a specialness with my kids and Christmas that um, I've gone into details like Christmas is not my favorite holiday for many reasons. Inside, I'm like, wow, Christmas. But how my kids perceive Christmas is magical and I don't take away from that and the funny thing is like telling them the truth has never taken away the magic of Christmas to them telling them that Santa is a fictional character that's all that's all really what you have to do is just differentiate 
why people are, you know, making these stories or singing these songs, etc. It's a fictional character that some people, um, you know, associate heavily with Christmas. And the lore is there was this man that would help people and was generous and, you know, gave toys to the children, etc. And now this whole legend has been built. It's not true. This man doesn't exist, but it's magical to kind of like get into the fantasy of it. And they understand that. I cosplay. Do I think I'm these characters? God, no. It's a fantasy. It's kind of like a little fun escape of reality, but where reality is the baseline and they know what reality is. They can escape and do it and color pictures of Santa, which I'm not even like into the whole Santa thing, but if they want to, they know the truth and they can experience it how they wish. But I've told them the truth and I didn't lie to them. And all I say is like, maybe not share it with everyone, you know, because some parents tell their children that this man is real because they want them with good intentions. Every parent who tells their kid that Santa's real has good intentions. The magic of Christmas. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, you know, t to them. However, yeah, analyze that. And again, not judging, just saying, like, if you analyze, if you think that's the best thing you're doing, then you do you. Boo boo. You're the master of your household. And I can't take away from that. And I'm not judging that. In my personal life, and things I've been through, and things that my kids have been through, it is so touchy, touchy to alter any reality with them. That's why I've never lied to them, and I never will, because of the things that they've been through. They've had, they've been gaslit. They've had to question their own reality as children by a person that they trusted, which was their father. So to have that anything that I ever will do that's dishonest will make them completely shut off to me. I know that. I know that that will flip a switch where, oh, no adults can be trusted. Not even my mom, because she told me that this is true and it's not. How am I supposed to live knowing there could be other things that this person isn't telling me? To them, it's not a coming-of-age thing. I was devastated when I found out. And then I was like, why would you tell me? Why didn't... Do you think I'm dumb? I bought into this thing. Now I feel dumb. Why couldn't you just level up with me? I was like that kid that had hard conversations with adults. I would ask questions that most kids wouldn't ask. I got into the nitty-gritty truths. I wanted to know all the truths. I don't care about the truth was. I want to know. And then you're sitting here like, oh, you fed me this little fantasy for this long and you I freaking stayed up all night sometimes waiting to meet this man he doesn't exist I was devastated it made me question if anything my parents were telling me was true it separated me from my parents in a lot of ways I went through a lot as a kid too though so when I've, when I, when someone told me something that wasn't true and I found it not be true, trust was 
severed very deeply because it it wasn't just that it was all the instances that it's happened in my life now i'm going to keep myself from being you know bamboozled because when i was a kid i was like i've been bamboozled you know why for what when i've done in my opinion what i think is the right thing from my perception and my reality and my situation and my circumstances because i am not you um and you are not me but i've done what i think is right with my kids in still maintaining the truth this is the truth but this is why people celebrate things this is what their idea of this is you know and it does have some kind of like lore to it and their interest in knowing okay i'll tell them but lore is lore and after telling them it's lore if they choose to believe that i can't stop them i'm going to tell them what i know is true that santa does not exist but again like that is up to them to now question what i'm saying and believe on their own or to trust me and be like okay santa doesn't exist but it's kind of fun to like you know be in christmas spirit and all that for me it's only about the kids because i literally hate christmas and you would never even guess why and i have gone into it a little bit in a different podcast um (coughs) excuse me um And, and that and I don't want to make this at all about that so like I'll even skip over that we'll talk I will definitely probably bring it up in another future podcast completely unrelated anyway so my kids know the truth they know I'm not gonna sugarcoat things but I've made things magical so tooth fairy they know don't exist it doesn't exist but they know the lore they know why other kids believe it and they see it as a magical thing too movies aren't real but kids still love them harry potter not real but kids still love it why can't you just tell them that it's not true and still let them experience it all and then when someone says hey you know santa's not real right and they're like yeah of course i know they're not devastated like obviously it's like a whole thing yeah i wrote him a letter because it's kind of fun to get into the whole thing but i know i know where he goes but it's fun to like you know escape into this little reality you know this alternate christmas reality whereas they know the truth and when they come back to reality they know that they're centered in reality and no one's lied to them and they had fun but they're also not being um, bamboozled. Because I just, I used that word so much when I was little and I found out Santa wasn't real. That's why I used it just now. And 
literally just kept going around saying, I can't believe I've been bamboozled. And I found it at a young age because, like, I could not believe that I'm over here questioning my reality because as a kid, I'm like, all right, questions that all kids ask. How come, how can Santa make it to every house in one night? How can he get through the fireplace if there's fire going in it? Also, if we don't have a fireplace, how does he get in the house? Also, how does, you know, like, how does he know that I'm bad or good? Depending on if my neighbor, like, how does he watch us all at the same time? All of those things, I'm like. Also, like, how come every time I go to the mall and see him and sit on his lap, he looks different every time? So, some parents, like, come up with, like, oh, well, he's an advocate of Santa. He's not the real Santa. The real Santa is in the North Pole. I tell my kids, these are cosplayers. They're pretending to be a man with lore. And let's get into the fun of it. Do you want to, you know, be a part of it? Cool. Buy, buy into the magic? Not? Okay. We'll do something else. Christmas is still magical, regardless of telling them Santa's real or not. Well, long term, they're going to trust me. They're going to believe me. And they're going to know that I have their best interest at heart. And that I'm not going to do something for my selfish gain. Because in a way, it's a little, a little selfish to have them buy into something. For you to experience the magic of it through them. Because you're like, wow, to be like so young and believe Santa's real. Me looking back on those moments, like, wow, yeah, but then I felt so dumb when I found out. So dumb. Literally, mom saying, oh, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to call Santa. Oh, okay, okay. God, I felt dumb. Bamboozled. I was just bamboozled. So, the big difference, I feel like, you know, in telling the truth and kind of feeding in, feeding someone something just to experience the positivity involved. Yet, at the end, there is a negative response and reaction because of the thing that you've said and done. And therefore, you're controlling and manipulating. In my opinion, from my perception, in my own reality because if someone is going to fight me on this you have your opinion I have mine if you're doing fantastic with your kid believing in Santa very cool I'm not coming after you I'm just getting you to like kind of analyze and if you you think what you're doing is fantastic keep doing it some kids may not be as sensitive to finding out Santa isn't real as my kids would have been because of things they've been through or how devastated I was when I found out, bamboozled, um, because of what I went through. There are some kids who are like, oh, well, I kind of figured, yes. And kids are so smart, they figure it out and they just buy into the lore because the parents do. I know somebody that was my one of my kids' friends and the person the child was like the parents were like off in another room they're like 
oh, they, um, they think I don't know, but I know, but it's okay. Cause they get a lot out of it. And I'm like, whoa, this kid is so smart. Like, and they're also kind of like playing into it for their parents, which is eh, not it's sweet. It's super sweet on the kid's part. But like, as a parent, when you feel bad that your kid is like pretending to love like Santa or like believe something that they don't believe just to make you happy. When all along you could all experience the magic of Christmas together and the truth behind it. For me, it's the birth of Christ um, that is being celebrated. However, throwing this conspiracy theories out there i don't believe that it happened in december even close to december 25th and etc um and really quickly since i have a short period of time left i'll just get into the reasons i hate christmas people act fake around christmas there's like so much of um like take 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 and people expectations and this expectation on every single person with every person you know you got to get them a gift and if you don't get them a gift then you don't care about them and you have to do something special for every person you know because if you know them then you have to have something for them and in my opinion for my perception my reality i would rather go on a tuesday in march to the mall see an outfit that i think my friend would absolutely adore and pick it up and take it to her and be like, oh my god, I think you would love this here. And then in, like, October, be like, I'm gonna take my friend to this concert. And this other friend, and you know, or my kids, or you know, do things with them throughout the year that show that I appreciate and love them. But not break the bank and do every single person at once. And also, if I'm doing every single person at once, I'm not actually able to afford what I really want for each person. I can't get the things that I really think this person would enjoy because I'm ending up with like 40 people to get for because I know a lot of people and we say like 40 is the closest people I have a lot of family a lot of family certain amount of friends which is limited but a lot of family so it's like okay so do I get everyone coffee cups like that's a lot of money it's been spending on top of kids and you know like significant other what are you kidding me let's stop there being such an obligation an expectation on christmas and then maybe i'll enjoy it a little more and i see how much it stresses other people out and i hate that christmas music plays like a month early and it plays every day all day and it gets stuck in your head and it's mostly like lore stuff like frosty snowman and santa claus and stuff and like all of the reality for me is that it's just a very consumer driven holiday where i only experience the magic of christmas through my children so that was me going on a rant absolutely nothing to do with manipulation for the last like 45 seconds i guess but that's me explaining why being fully transparent oh why i hate christmas um but the reason behind it in the Christian standpoint, Christ being born, very important to me. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. But I just have a short period of time left on this uh, session. And I appreciate you guys so much for listening. And I hope that I see you next time. 
um, spread love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. You never know who it'll affect. And just remember that you don't have to be better than anyone else in the world. Just try to be better than yourself the way you were yesterday. So we can just keep improving on ourselves. Don't compare yourself to other people. And again, spread love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. Because you don't know who it will affect. I'll say that 300 times, but I mean it every time. I think that's my, the point that I try to drive the most. It's because those seeds of positivity grow into beautiful things. Sometimes you can witness those beautiful things being grown. Sometimes it affects you directly. Sometimes you can see them from afar, but you see the result. There's always a result. So, bye guys. Have a fantastic day. Alright, I said I was going to end the entire session, but um, I'm actually going to wrap it up now. Because I just needed a few more things to say. With the lies and sugarcoating, when someone's doing it to you, how you can combat that. Because I don't think that I really got too in-depth with that. It was really more like defining it and giving scenarios in which everybody knows what a lie is. If you're eight years old, you know the difference between the truth and the lie. Most, of, most eight-year-olds do. But combating lies is very difficult because how do you know? If you're being lied to. People have tells. So learning those is kind of important. Observation skills. It's like, okay, well, this person, every time they lie, history has shown that every time they lie, they smile when they lie. Then they're telling you something that kind of seems off. Things are a little, you know, wonky. And then they're smiling. Chances are they're lying because their tell is telling on them. So learning tells is kind of a really good way of, um, you know, differentiating, trusting your gut, going based on all facts given, um, and evaluating and assessing the truth that you know, and then the evidence at hand or circumstantial evidence. And then the biggest thing is patterns. I think I just barely grazed over it in the last segment, but patterns are going to tell you what a person is and does and says and and who they are. They don't lie. A person may be wolf in sheep's clothing, but they have wolf patterns regardless. Moon comes out, they howl at the moon. They sure as heck might be like, um... I wasn't howling at the moon. I was just stubbed my toe. And there happens to be a full moon. <laughs> you know? Like, they try to explain away their little inconsistencies. But they're there. And you know they're there. Because they look like a wolf. Or the no, actually, they may look like a sheep. Because they're wolf in sheep's clothing, right? But you smell a wolf. Could swear you hear a wolf. And you definitely have a gut and you feel a wolf. And then putting all those together, you should come to the conclusion that it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. 
never once, if someone actually, like, got to the bottom of it, how I felt about my ex, if someone said, truly, be honest, do you feel like he's a good person? If I'm being honest, no. Number two, does this person like to hurt people? Yes. Being honest. Does this person find joy in other people's pain? Yes. So these are like big red flags that shouldn't be happening. But again, you like, you live, you learn, you learn from other people's experiences or your own. But the important thing is that you know how to combat things that are coming against you. So lies, that's kind of like, okay, how, where do I go from here if I know this person has lied before they've created a pattern of lies where i'm like okay i confronted them this time they lied confronted them another time they lied this time i gave them a chance before confronting them and said hey is there anything you need to tell me and then they lied so we've got pattern right of like consistent lying so with that pattern when i question them about something and they're acting the same as they did every other time they lied then scientific research, you know, by scientific method, pretty much deducts that the reasoning um, and understanding of, you know, the entire conclusion of all this, that the person is lying. There are circumstantial things or there are things where they can be like, well, I know it looks this way, but... This is the reality. And in that case, maybe the explanation makes sense. But if they have a pattern of lying, that trumps anything for me. I don't care. I don't honestly care what the truth is. You have a pattern of lying, and now I can't find you to be reliable. So, my perception is more important than whatever perception you are trying to, um, you know, tell me. My perception isn't just the events. I don't have to witness something, but I witnessed all the other times that you lied and it was consistent. So that's my reality, is that you lie. Therefore, I shouldn't trust you. I should not take everything that you say so internally and deeply because you have falsified things to me. And someone who is lying has lied has broken trust and until you have that fully which you can never get it back fully um the only people you know you can start it new with someone else but you can't ever get it back with the same person because once they break that trust you just you can't uncrack a mirror you know you can glue it back together but you can't it'll still be cracked you can't do anything about that so if someone's lying to you and you go in by patterns trust it they've pattern pattern lied 500 times chances are this time they're lying and honestly even if they're not you should be gone because that many lies to one person means i don't care about you and i think you're stupid and i know we feel that way when we were like you lied to me do you know how stupid i feel number one thing people say when they find out that they've been lied to they feel bamboozled bamboozled i swear okay so, 
I said all the closing stuff in the last segment, but I just want to tell you guys that I love you. Love, light, and positivity everywhere you go. Please spread it and be proactive about it. And um, really quick, because I'm a few minutes, to let you know that I have upcoming episodes that are going to come out pretty quickly. And then also, I'm going to be talking about narcolepsy. Very important because a lot of people don't understand it. And I will give you guys as much information as humanly possible so that way you can share um, the awareness, if possible, with other people. Because there are people who don't know they have it. And I'll go into that too when I get into that subject. But currently, as it stands, um, this is the end of this uh, session. So each session will have a couple of, a few different discussions um, about different types of manipulation. And boy, is there so many that I can't even tell you how long this season is going to be. By the way, I put season 40 because now I'm 40 years old and um, I'm not going to go back and try to figure out which or seasons what and what and what. I believe this is a new start. Season 40, episode 1 is where you need to start if you're if you've already read or listened to all the other things. So I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Spread love, light, and positivity. Here we go. Listen to the last segment if you want a true goodbye. But I love you guys and have a good one. Bye.